The market has been wanting a rate cut. If you look at the Fed funds futures, they're kind of not buying what the Fed is selling. The Fed has said they're on pause. Right, Our right. stance is there's probably more of a chance of a hike than a cut the rest of this year. As of this second, though, futures are about a coin flip of a cut the rest of this year. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, John. How's uh, how's everything going over there? Pretty well, pretty well. Uh, it's been a big weekend, a lot of soccer. Yes. Your kids did well, huh? They did. And you know, I noticed when you introduced me there, you almost said, our good friend, Ryan. I heard you say, our, I'm everybody's friend. Everybody's you could say, friend. our good That's friend, right. Ryan. You We're all friends that. on this podcast. Exa- yes, we are. We've been doing this podcast long enough. I think we are friends. Not quite family status, but we are definitely friends. But you're right, John. I, I guess you, like we joked earlier, I sent you a text on Friday night, and you were already in bed. So I That's you had, right. You had a rough good, week, clean living. Rough week. But yes. 9 we, p.m. bedtime Friday That's night. That's right. So I, <laughs> I coached my boys' soccer team uh, with my friend Jason, and we were 5-0 and going into the game on Friday night playing the other 5-0 and team. So it was a pretty big day. Uh, Sebastian, my oldest son, had two goals in the second quarter, kind of set the tempo a little bit. We held out, winning 3-2, to two, very nail-biter. And my my buddy Jason's son, James, said he wanted to hear his name on the podcast. So James did a great job and had a couple assists as well. So the fact James will hear his name, all right, James, he'll be very happy. But it was a really exciting game Friday night. So then we're all pumped. I went out to get the boys ice cream. Nobody went to bed for a while. We were all excited. But, hey, it was a, it was a hard-fought win. We'll see this team again, though. So I told the boys, don't get too excited. Maybe this team's the second-best team. Maybe they're listening to this podcast team. as well. So you yeah, be try, to, try to get you – know, enjoy, the, enjoy the victory for a day. But, hey, there's always round two, and it's coming up. But it was a fun uh, fun weekend for the Dietrichs. Well, good, good deal. You know, you're not living vicariously through these children, are you? Are you able to separate yourself from that? No, not really. Yeah. I think, I, think I am. You're pulling a hammy on the sideline? Yeah. Uh, I try not to jump too much Keeping on that sideline. Keeping it clean line, in a family-friendly environment, I hope. Ex- exactly, yes. A lot we, of objectivity for their officials. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The, there were a couple calls that were questionable, and we were kind of giving it to the official. He actually came over and told us to kind of, you know, be quiet. So, yeah, I guess maybe we do get into it a little okay. too much sometimes. Be on your best behavior. That's well, right. No bad words. Just like, hey, come on, call it both ways. But well, good, you go. good. You don't Just like with markets, call it both Fibonacci ways, right? Fibonacci word, right? That's so exactly. you got to keep it clean. got to keep right. it clean. Mm-hmm. And not only in, in uh, Tiga K Soccer League or whatever it's called. It's, it is Tiga K. Exactly. Right? Tiga okay, K. Good. Parks and Recreation, yeah, I guess. Champions, right. Champions League and uh, uh, Premier League all going on this weekend, too. So very exciting stuff. So, well, good luck. I'm glad the boys are doing well. And, uh, you may want to share with the group about some of your living vicariously issues, but we'll work on that. <laughs> I'll, talk, I'll bring it up to my therapist next week. How's well, we'll sound? need therapy given all that we have to discuss today. My goodness. Uh, news this morning on trade, Federal Reserve last week. Uh, in spite of all that, we saw great news on productivity. As we've been harping on for months and months, productivity is really the key to elongate the cycle. We've got another good jobs report. And obviously, there's a lot of concern about selling may go away. The trade concerns with the president's tweet over the weekend certainly got people scared. Markets were down about 2% at the open on Monday. So uh, awful lot to talk about. Why don't we start with monetary policy first? That's right, John. So this last week, I guess, on Wednesday, the Fed came out with their policy on interest rates. And really, I guess our take is it wasn't too different than what we expected. You know, as we've laid out, the economy is strong. Inflation's a big thing. And, John, I'll hand it to you in a second maybe to talk a little more inflation. But inflation has been low. The market has been wanting a rate cut. If you look at the Fed funds futures, they're kind of not buying what the Fed is selling. The Fed has said they're on pause. Right, Our right. stance is there's probably more of a chance of a hike than a cut the rest of this year. As of this second, though, futures are about a coin flip of a cut the rest of this year. And from the action on Wednesday, now, first off, there's an interesting stat that 
we discovered a 10 inch, 10 times Chairman Powell's been in charge of a Fed meeting. The S&P's dropped nine of them. So, hey, why is that? Maybe just volatility, but that's yeah. something to think about. Buy with the 1%, rumor, sell the exactly, news. 1% drop from peak to trough on Wednesday on after that decision came out. So what what do you think, John? Are we going to get a rate cut this year I, or, I or think, probably not? I think this is, uh, you know, another reason why the, the art, if not science, of behavioral finance is uh, mm-hmm. really going to take on a life of its own in graduate schools going forward because I'm just amazed at the market psychology this past decade, the way we've all become codependent no more. <laughs> we're all codependent on record low interest rates and the whole idea that good news was bad news and bad news was good news and all that back and forth. Did the Fed raise one time too many last year? Probably. Did the market misinterpret the message? Absolutely. And uh, that, as we've discussed, had a lot to do with the December sell-off. And I think investors really need to be mindful that, you know, rates are simply going from historically low to ridiculously low levels for your 10 of an economic cycle. And, you know, when we went to market weight on equities, what, six, seven weeks ago, uh, it was the day after a Fed meeting. Because it would have been six weeks ago. Right, six weeks ago. Exactly, exactly. So so what we saw was... uh, you know, the market rose that Monday and Tuesday that week pretty handsomely, nothing out of the ordinary, but it was, you know, the market was bid up. The Fed released their dot plot and suggested that no no hikes in 2019. Now, John, now, what's the dot plot? Just for um, The dot plot is just a comp- compilation of their average forecasts of all the different Fed members. So they plot it out on a chart and with all the great thousand PhDs at the Fed, the best tam- term that could come up with was the dot plot. <laughs> but nonetheless, the dot plot was favorable. Uh, the market sold off on that news that Wednesday. And then the next day, the market was up about 2%. And that's when you and I and the team are looking at each other like, this This market is drunk with success. Uh, I don't like the look of it. We're within five percentage points of our year-end fair value of 3,000 on the S&P. So we went from overweight to market weight. What we saw last week uh, was a concern that Fed Chair Powell referred to inflation, the low inflation, as uh, transient or transitory. And, and consequently, the implication was that he he didn't see a deflationary threat. Consequently, he saw no need to lower rates. And as you know, Ryan, and many of our listeners know, that the market had already been forecasting as many as two cuts in 2019, which we vehemently denied. We are very much against that. We don't think that's necessary. No, you're right. And when you get down to it, we just had a 3.2% GDP number. We're going to talk more about jobs and the productivity number. The economy continues to be strong. A lot of that leading economic data that we've been talking about over the past month, most of that tends to be looking more forward. You know, In this week's weekly economic commentary, John, we definitely took a look at the Fed and we titled it, let me read this word for word, The Case Against a Rate Cut. So that's pretty direct, what we're calling our weekly economic commentary. But the one that really stood out to me that we Callie Cox doesn't beat around the bush, does she? she, Callie did awesome (laughs) there. Just get to it. The Fed has cut rates 42 times since 1990, with the last rate cut happening uh, December 2008. So it's been 10 years since we had a rate cut. But only nine of those cuts occurred after a quarter with GDP growth of 3% or more. So it's just pretty rare on the surface when you have a decent economy or even an improving economy like we have here to have a rate cut. And I think that's just the thing we really are trying to stress to our listeners. And like you said, we've been doing this podcast since last August. I remember late last year we said, you know, we don't think there are going to be kind of as many cuts as what the market is thinking. That's one thing you've been saying. And yeah, that's, we, we, we haven't changed our, we haven't wavered from there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, 
either great minds think alike or misery loves company, right? We'll all <laughs> we'll, we'll find, find out eventually, right? Okay. Uh, but I, yeah, when you think about pressures building, obviously the Fed's favorite inflation indicator, personal consumption expenditures index, is well below, maybe 1.5, 1.6%. Yeah, 1.6% in March, 18-month low. But then you look at underlying pressures, right? If you look at wages, which are the primary component, wages are up 3.2% year-over-year basis, slightly below what the forecast was for the jobs report. But nonetheless, it's a number that's showing good lead indication, if you will, for future consumption because we're fully employed and wages are rising. But it's not at a level that is threatening approaching 4 or 4.5%, which historically, as you knew, Ryan, right. has been when the Fed slams on the brakes and uh, slows things down. So we're kind of in this little window. You know, I hate the term Goldilocks, but I guess that's appropriate for this. Mm-hmm. But also- You're dressing for that Halloween this year, see, right? That's Goldilocks? right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> so when, um, when you see building wage pressures, when you see wholesale prices, when you look at producer price index, we'll get another print on that, I think Thursday or Friday of this week. And um, when you see building wholesale prices, building wage pressures, uh, we're not suggesting that there's going to be an outright inflationary scare, but that's the legitimate thing that investors need to pay attention to. And we think the Fed is, and I'm not convinced the average investor is when you see the way the market traded after the Fed meeting. No, that's right. You know, you mentioned 4% year-over-year wage growth. If you go back in history and look at the previous three recessions, recessions took place about on average within six months after you had the 4% wage growth, and that's kind of the end of the cycle and one of those worrisome signs. So 3.2% year-over-year wage growth, we clearly have some room. Also, Chairman Powell noted in the Q&A last Wednesday that the uh, core PCE, as you mentioned, the Fed's favorite measure of inflation, was right around 2% all year. It's just the first quarter where we've really had this big dip. And let's be honest, we did have a little bit of a slowdown, you know, the first quarter. Some of the data recently has been stronger, but we had a slowdown. So it's kind of he's not really changing his tune just because of one quarter. Let's hope he's watching it closely. We have two quarters of continued weak-ish inflation, then maybe the Fed will change their tune. But they're still staying with uh, the the inflation should perk up the second half of this year. And absolutely, if you think about where the federal funds rate is relative to nominal GDP when you factor in growth plus prices, we're about half of what nominal GDP is. Historically, we're about 100 basis points below nominal GDP. And then you look at inflation-adjusted interest rates, right? Maybe 25 or 30 basis points right now. Historically, they're three and a half or 4%. So policy is still accommodative. We do not need to cut rates going forward. Mm -hmm. So that's right, John. So I think we did a pretty good job there. Let's maybe go to the next subject, and that is trade. trade. Now, John, over the weekend, President Trump tweeted well, I guess he tweeted about the Kentucky Derby, about the... the oh, yeah, I mean, we didn't even discuss that. We're talking about your kids' soccer. So we watched the Derby. My boys, I mean, being an Ohio boy, grew up in Cincinnati, I went to the Kentucky Derby once. I think it was in 2001. And, John, my story was I was at the Derby. I didn't see a horse the entire day. I was in the infield. So you can imagine the partying that was going on when you're 21 years old in the infield. And I told my boys it was the worst sunburn I've ever had. My face pretty much melted off because I didn't wear any sunscreen. Uh, but anyway, the Derby was a blast. But this this weekend, you had a little controversy with the Derby. I mean, what 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 is your take on? I thought the best horse didn't win, but what do you think? Did you watch the Derby this weekend? You know, I, I didn't pay attention to it. We had family in town, okay. and um, uh, I'm I'm well aware of what went down, and I just can't imagine the collective, you know, disappointment of what a mm-hmm. hundred thousand people and yes. all the millions watching. Well, the ones in the infield didn't care. They didn't. They weren't there. That's right. Horses, exactly. Nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. But, but nonetheless, yeah, it's a it's a wild so. finish. I just don't know how you prevent against that. My understanding from what happened, it looks like that happens 
every my untrained eye, it looks like that happens all the time. Uh, I'm not a horse race expert, but it sure felt like it. Nonetheless, that was one of President Trump's tweets that uh, got people thinking uh, when he talked about the the, the controversy with the Derby. The other tweet that obviously was a big deal was he tweeted about the deal with China or the trade issues with China. Specifically, there's $200 billion of Chinese imports that he said he's going to raise from 10% to 25% on those tariffs. Also, another $325 billion sitting out there might be raised to 25% tariff as well. So, We've been coming on this podcast all year saying we're inching closer to the finish line. Is this a sign that, may, hey, maybe we, this is a, we're getting close to the finish line. He, he's playing hardball, but it sounds like China behind closed doors is playing hardball too. This is two to tango. What should we take? And like you said, futures dropped significantly Monday morning-ish. Now coming back a little bit as we record this still. It's a concern. What do you think? I think that, uh, you know, it's my hope. It's a negotiating tactic. You know, right. um He's been very conciliatory towards the Chinese for most of 2019. Mm-hmm. So I guess after you know everything else went down late last year, it, it's definitely been a more optimistic tone. Very curious. Every time trade rep Lighthizer has been in China, that is when he has doubled down on the Fed more often than not. Mm-hmm. So it's very curious, the dynamic, right? We're seeing good economic data. He wants the Fed to cut rates even more, which could further pressure the Chinese going forward. Right. So it's a it's very curious dynamic. So you wonder to what degree it's a negotiating tactic. Uh, I think clearly last week, if you look at some of the commentary coming out of the negotiations in Beijing, they weren't as optimistic coming out of those meetings, the U.S. was at least. And uh, I guess the real thing will be, you know, will the Chinese show up? on, I guess, Wednesday of this week, right. May 8th, right? Mm-hmm. So if they don't show up on Wednesday, that, that'll be a big deal. You know, we may have to have another another podcast later on this week. Uh, that'll be really important. And, you know, I think the second tranche you talked about, that would take months exactly. to implement. So exactly. I, I want our listeners to maybe be well aware. The, the incremental cost of moving from 10% to 25% on the original $200 billion mm-hmm. in goods is about $30 billion. If we were to go to the second tranche of $200 billion or $300 billion, whatever that number is, that would be an incremental cost of about $50 billion. But that's the consumer stuff. That's the stuff I think he and every Trump and every other politician wants to avoid because that's, that's the voters. That's where the voters see it and consumers see it right up front. Right. Now, I mean, the bottom line, like we said, this looks like we're getting closer. Because if you look back at NAFTA 2.0, President Trump did quite similar to this, right kind of near the finish line, kind of really started playing hardball with what he wanted, and, and that was a sign, and that eventually got kind of squared away. So we're, we're optimistic that can happen again. Now, you talk about kind of markets. I mean, you know, on Friday, we did close at all-time highs across the board, right? That's right. The S&P is up over 17.5%, or as of last week, was up 17.5% for the year. One of the best starts for the year, depending how you look at it. Dow since 99, S&P since 87. Been a long time we've had a year this good. But last year was also the first down year in nine years on a total return basis. Fourth quarter really rough. So we're just kind of bounced back to where we were in September. That big of a bounce, though, John, it's sell and make away, which we're going to talk about in a second, but could it just be kind of time for a little pullback, and we're going to use the excuse of China maybe here? Yeah, you know, you, you we're looking for a catalyst, right? Mm-hmm, we we exactly. went to market weight for a reason. Uh, when you look at the, the great work you've done and the team has done relative to 
you know, anytime you've had a 10% gain in the first quarter, you typically see another 6% over the course of the year right. before year end, but you also have to absorb a 900 base point hit to the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, when you did the data also on the first four months of the year uh, being so strong, right. uh, we typically see another sort of pullback. So we, we've been looking for anything, and, you know, you're, I hate, you know, garden variety type contraction, call right. it 5 to 10% correction, where we would redeploy assets because we still believe the underlying fundamentals remain strong, both economically and from a corporate profit standpoint. So maybe this is the catalyst, but be mindful it's not just China. Uh, it's mm, grabbing all the headlines right now, but we have the old NAFTA, which is what, the U.S. MCA, U.S. Mexico, Canada trade agreement that they're still I just call it NAFTA 2.0. It's easy right, to say yeah. that, but yes. And then uh, let's be very, very careful about the auto tariffs uh, exactly. from Europe as well because, you know, the European auto sector has already struggled because of the emission standards implemented in the second half of 18. So, right, auto purchases in Europe plunged. Uh, I am gaining some solace by seeing, you know, European autos appear to be pivoting mm-hmm. uh, as well as European banks. So banks as US concerned, as, concerned as we are about Europe, you know, yeah. you're starting to see a market signal uh, start to point higher. So it's not just China on trade. And the reason why we are continually focusing on trade is because trade is the not final solution, but a path toward resolution, a path toward progress that gets businesses taking advantage of their immediate expensing provisions from the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And to the degree businesses start investing again, that can help elongate the expansion and that can help margins sustain themselves, which could see not only a longer economic cycle, but a longer profit cycle. No, you're right, John. So maybe great points there. Maybe let's go to the next subject, which, again, is kind of the improving economy. And who's to say maybe the improving economy is not giving President Trump a little bit more of a, hey, let's get this done with China, a little more power behind it. We had jobs number came out on Friday. The monthly jobs number came in at 263,000, well Mm -hmm. above, about 190,000 expected. We already hinted at productivity. We had the best first quarter in productivity we've seen in 10 years, year over year, up, I think it was 2.4%. So really improving productivity, strong jobs numbers again. The economy sure looks like it's on pretty good footing. Am I wrong here? Absolutely, absolutely. And again, inconsistent with the necessity to cut rates when you look at, uh, and I guess the the quarterly mojo was even better, right? The quarterly print on productivity was probably north of 3%. Yeah, that's and best the, in, in about five years, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and the but year exactly. over year was 2.4%, mm-hmm. right. which, uh, you know, students of productivity, too, is a is about a good number. Mm-hmm. So we're only back to, you know, a historically average year over year print, but that's, that's what's happened when the Fed has artificially suppressed short-term interest rates, right? Businesses mm-hmm. spent on chips and software to maintain market share rather than property plant equipment to go out and attain new market share. Now with the immediate expensing provisions this late in the economic cycle, you're starting to see businesses, you know, with the need for animal spirits and to go out and take new market share. So very pleased not only with the jobs number, but also the productivity number, uh, good lead indicators for future growth. Uh, you're right, John. So all, all in all, we're kind of getting to the end here. we got one more subject, but the economy sure seems to be improving. So that kind of brings us, we hinted, hinted at it earlier, sell them may go away. We did talk about it a little bit last week, but for whatever reason, you tend to get gains early in the year, you tend to get gains late in the year. Those six months in the middle from around May 1st until Halloween historically can be the troublesome months. And you look at historically, those are the worst six months of the year 
up 6.5% on average for the S&P since 1950. Still up 6.5% on average. Let's let's be honest. You're still gaining something. In recent history, six of the last seven years, the S&P has been up these quote-unquote worst six months of the year. But I think after a 25% bounce from the lows, it is also a pre-election year. You go back to 15 and 11. You have big-time pullbacks in volatility in August in both of those years. U.S. debt downgrade in 11, and the Chinese currency concerns with the first 1,000-point Dow drop those ever. Days fondly. Yeah, yes. a lot of fun, wasn't it? A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So. I think the stage is set. Maybe we could have more of a traditional, maybe, you know, like you said, first off, 11% is the peak to trough correction, an average year. And there's no such thing as average. I get it. But the average year during these worst six months, you know, maybe we could be ripe for something along those lines here. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, again, it's why we went to market weight. Mm-hmm. We, we right. just thought we were getting a little long in the tooth here. And, um, you know, it's hard to define or identify the catalyst. Uh, but nonetheless, if that catalyst were to occur, whether it's trade, whether it's a tweet, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, heaven forbid, something worse from a geopolitical standpoint, right. you know, we do have a battleship. Uh, there's a lot of concern about Iran right now. So we have to be very, very mindful about all those things going on. Uh, but again, looking at the underlying fundamentals, if we do get kind of like, I don't think it would be as severe as December, certainly, but if we test the 200-day moving average, that's a 6% pullback, right? Which is, yeah, exactly, which is perfectly yep. normal in the whole scope of things. And this Absolutely. week's weekly market commentary, and we have uh, one of the charts in the show notes of this podcast, we do dive a little bit more into sell in May, go away, and we think it makes it makes sense this year. Just think about last year, stocks were up in May, June, July, August, September, five months in a row of gains. Then you had a 7% drop in October for one of the worst monthly losses we've seen in years. Everyone's kind of laughing a little bit at scoffing at sell and may go away, probably including myself to a degree. And then, then October came. So it's sometime right. in these months mm-hmm. is when you can have that pullback. So we're, we're definitely on the lookout for it here, John. And, yeah, and, but again, we would view that uh, opportunistically Not looking at what we see mm-hmm. with GDP, productivity, employment, likely further consumption gains. Uh, the incentives for business investment, you know, global growth in the three and a half percent range. I know there was a lot of concern about, you know, the IMF cutting from 3.5 to 3.3. You know, copper's outperforming gold, what, by 10 or 12 percent year to date. You know, there's, you know, there there are a lot of forward signals suggesting that, uh, a lot of the global concern is, is priced in already. Right. So we would we would view any weakness opportunistically. Maybe I'll just summarize it like this, John. You mentioned signals. You, you kind of hinted at it already. The S&P well, is was the name up, of this podcast. Mar- LPL market Shameless signals. self-promotion. There you go. January, February, March, and April, S&P is up the first four months of the year. When you look at the final eight months of the year, the S&P has actually been higher. So, again, that would be starting on May 1st into the year, 17 out of 18 times. So, more strength is normal, but the key point there, there have been some pretty good-sized pullbacks, again, after a good start to the year. So, the upward trend is still in play. We still like equities here, like you said, but it's probably there's just, there's just you know good times to swing and good times not to. And right now, it makes sense to kind of let things come back to us and get a good deal, I think. Absolutely. And keep in mind, you know, when we say market weight, the average balanced account has 60% equity. So exactly. by no means is that a bail on equities by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, hopefully you found this time you spent with us today productive, and we'll look forward to being on with you next week. Hope you all have a great week. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich.
The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPO Financial, LLC, Securities and Advisory Services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.